You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. From Chicago and Jersey, through the magic of Zoom, this is the Chavrusa. I'm Avram Kivalevich. And I'm Kalman Warch. And we're here. I think it's our third episode. Uh, and we've got a lot of great responses over the first. So I just got a call, Kalman from Eretz Yisrael. Somebody called me and um, happy to report that uh, he was uh, 89% on my side. So uh, I'm happy that the old fire and uh, attitudes are still there. Uh, but Baruch Hashem, we've got, we've got a lot of great responses from people. Uh, today I actually want to... It's good that you have 89% of one person while I have 89% of the total people. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. You'll tell me about the people who have been calling you. I, uh, I, I think, you know, we, we, the first two times we spoke about, we actually talked about subjects that we thought would, you know, at least give you somewhat of the spirit of our dynamic. But this was actually... Uh, uh, the, the subject I wanted to start with. Um, and I think it's a subject that reflects who both of our, both who we are, you and me, and the history of the Harusa and maybe even earlier. I want to talk about uh, the idea that is put into Pirkei Ovois, uh, a mission in Pirkei Ovois, Rabbi Nehoi, Havi Both of us are parents, I'm now a grandparent many times over. It's a Shambayu, Bizman. And the idea of how, what we do in terms of the chinach of our children. Um, specifically, once they reach a certain age, what do we do about sending them out of town, as they say? Now, this, of course, is something that uh, is perhaps stronger for people like yourself, Kalman, in Chicago, and as it was for my parents in Memphis. Um, but it's actually something which I think is relevant in New York as well, uh, even in the big metropolis. Do we send our kids away? If there are options available, do we err, not err, but do we decide that we're going to push our children? And we're so going to I'd, like to, I'd like to um, um, pick a side here just to, to start us off. Um, I think that you know, this may be very much consistent with the approach that we've taken throughout these. But I think that the teachings of our sages are eternal. And Ruach Kodesh, Dibur B'fiyam, you know, their, their words are, I would say prophecy, and they're certainly not infallible, you know, as human beings and the such. But when Chazal stamp into our Mesorah, into our tradition, have a goal of the Makim Torah, what they're trying to say is that it should always be true that if someone wants to accomplish in their learning, they have to go into exile. They have to travel and go and go to a distant place, and that's where they can that's where they can uh, learn Torah. And therefore, this is why it's so common and so accepted that we send kids away. We send them to Lakewood. We send them to Israel. We send um, girls to seminary. We send, you know, American kids to seminary in England. And we send English kids to seminaries in America. You know, it, why, why doesn't everyone just stay where they are? Because there's a concept of how we go to Makam Torah. We send um, okay. um, people. Well, it, well, we don't actually see so much in the reverse. Do we see Israelis sending 
their kids here outside? I mean, do we find that? We find Israelis who are have plenty of yeshivas there. Have within, they... within Eretz Israel, they will send. They, they would never send to America because they wouldn't consider America to be Makam Torah. So you can't be Gola Lamakam Torah in a place where there's no Torah because there's no Torah in America from their uh, perspective. But within Eretz Israel themselves, you know, a kid from a kid from Bnei Brak will go study in Yerushalayim, and a kid from Yerushalayim will go study. In, not not everyone does it. Not everyone does it here too. But that would be the fulfillment of the teaching of our sages that if we want our children to grow, you got to send them away. Okay. So I, I, again, in terms of our sages, as you call it, Pirkei Ovois, we know that the standard interpretation, and we did a little bit of a search right before we started recording, the standard viewer in that Mishnah is that if you don't have Torah where you are, don't assume that it's going to come to you. Don't say that You're right, it says But if you take a look at the Bartanura, and if you take a look at the Mepharshim, the Tzayis of others, who are the standard Mepharshim, and again, we'll get to the first throw in a minute, but the, the standard interpretation has always been, uh, at least it had been, that don't believe that what you have around you, if you're a Balkishran, uh, that you that you can have books smarts. You need to have the interaction with a community of Torah learners. Well, but I'm but, not sure if we want to debate whether what you're understanding is is necessarily the standard. I get I get it. The Bartanur is considered the Rashi on Mishnah, and so if he says that's the standard shot, but but I'm saying in the way that it's been adopted and used throughout the generations. Okay. Is that, is that okay, throughout that there, one? again, Kalman, I know you're not used to speaking so exactly to your chevra over there uh, in the Illinois Center, but with me, it's throughout the generations. It depends what you talk about generations. Since the Tferis Yisro's uh, best-selling, beautifully written uh, chibur on Mishnayis, I think he turned the tide. I think he argued so convincingly that this isn't just when you don't have Tamid HaChachamim around, but he actually passionately, and again, we're going to put it in the, in the notes of the, uh, of, the, of, of the program, how he writes so passionately, beautifully about what you're saying, that a person can't grow and develop unless he leaves the comforts and tafnukim uh, of, his, of his parents, the, sport, the way his parents, he's never going to be his own human, he's never going to be his own person. I'm not even going to try to match the, the beauty of the Ferris Israel's language it is <laughs> um, yes, uh, and I think what I would say uh, on this point is is that I am talking about this now, Calm, and what I really want to get to, and I want to hear your input, is that my take on this up until I would say the age of forty was very much like what the Pharisee strolls and yours which is that we must do this. In fact, when I was uh, 12 years old and I went for my interview in uh, Ner Yisrael, I wish I could go back in time <laughs> and have been whispering, don't go to this yeshiva. But when I went for my interview at 12 to, uh, to get into Ner Yisrael in Baltimore, uh, one of the things I told uh, Rav Tendler, oh, I show him, and uh, I wrote on my questionnaire was that I wanted to leave my house. I wanted to grow up. I wanted to be my own person. Um, and then when I discovered a number of years later, and I did go when I was 13, 
And I did go when I, uh, a number of years later, when I discovered this Tiferes Yisrael, he was talking to me. Yes, um, in your own community, people are always going to look at you as a child. They're not going to see you as who you are. You're going to rely on your parents too much. You're not going to grow. You're not going to challenge yourself. You're not going to become something. And to me, it was almost like my call was to fulfill what the Tiferes Yisrael was saying, was to be my own person, was to create myself, true, I had the memories and things that my parents had said to me and my community had said to me, but I became myself because I went someplace else. I wasn't just the product, that child product. Now that, that was where I was holding. And until I became a parent of high school children, and until before that, I lost my own parents, I started reconsidering this. And I started realizing how much is lost by sending children away. How, if there is, especially as yeshivas, where they are, whatever weaknesses they might have, what's to be gained is so incredible. And I think about my father and mother who, for the years that I was in high school, I didn't spend Shabbosim with them. I didn't spend Yom Tavim with them because it was too expensive. And my father reminded me, don't make any phone calls either (laughs) because long distance is too expensive. So, it's almost like at the time I felt I was this great Horatio Alger person going out and making it on their own. Now, when I looked about it, I realized with a tremendous amount of regret that I didn't stay in that not such great yeshiva, but at least I would have had them and I would have had more memories, their voices. And I but think I, I would have been. I mean, well, it's easy, so easy to argue, and I'm going to let you finish. I, but no, no, I don't. I don't need to go into. What, what about the what about the gains that you do have? Here we have. I'm speaking to one of the um, <laughs> of, of of the United States. Uh, you, you're a great uh, scholar, though you wouldn't say this about yourself. But who said that you would be what you are? If you wouldn't have um, gone to the yeshiva, yes, yes, I agree that you lose a bit, but there's always a give and take. But maybe you wouldn't have all the knowledge and the, you know, you're, you're, you're a dying on the basin of America. Would you have reached that position had you not um, gone to uh, gone away? Who knows? Maybe you would have sat at home and you would have been um, pampered and uh, treated as a child and you would never have put yourself into your studies the way that you did. So I agree that there's regrets that way, but why are you so certain one way over the other? Yeah, I can't be certain. But, you know, you mentioned Dionys, and I remember my father used to always say to me um, that why was it that a Dayan without children uh, couldn't be a Dayan? Why couldn't he sit on the Besan of Chav Gimel? And he would always, my father loved this uh, Chazal, that you needed to have a sense of Rachmanis in your own personal life to be able to adapt it to when you would interact. I think that um, I became hardened, especially in the yeshiva that I went to, near Yisrael, where you had to be a tough guy. You had to, uh, you, you were a soldier. No one addressed you. The rabbeim didn't address you by your first name. You were talked to by your last name. And it was, this is, <laughs> the assumption was you were guilty before, that was the assumption you were always guilty. And, it toughened you, and it, it made me cynical, uh, and it really hardened me. I'm going to say that I, I might not have been pushed to to get the ideas entire that I had, but I think I probably would have been a more compassionate dying than I am now if I would have been treated with more compassion and love 
when I was growing up. And many times... You're still conceding that there's a give and take. I'd like to know why, you know, in other words, you're saying that you would know less, but you would be better? I am saying that I probably gave up something that's probably even more crucial to Dionys than knowledge, which is that fifth chelik and shulchan that chelik of, of, of compassion, understanding, understanding you especially... You don't lose that completely in yeshiva. Yeah, yeah. what... what, what yeah, but I'm, you get, you become again I'm you become hardened in high school. Yeah, you become hardened and cynical, and I think that that is something that happens in order to survive. And I'm going to put the shoe on your foot in a second. Um, look, we I left I, I I left home when I was 13. How about you? You were how old when you left home? Uh, 16. 16. Big difference, I think. A big difference. Uh, a 13-year-old, a 16-year-old. I think that's different. But I think you do have another story, uh, and I know that uh, you sometimes loathe to get personal on this, but I'm going to press you on it anyway. Um, I think I was there by his. Uh, I was one. Of, I think I was by the bris, and I think I. I think I was. Either you, you were his rebbe for the upturn, yeah. For that's my, right. For my, for my son. That's so, right. You know, we felt, uh, and and I feel like I'm being consistent here. We felt that uh, where we were, there was not. Um, um, a place for him based on his ability and his his capabilities and his personality. And so we sent him to uh, away, far away, you know, for for a 13-year-old boy to travel a thousand miles away to Yeshiva is is a great distance. And um, you know, it was it was it was what um, was understood to be the right action in in, in this particular situation. And, and I'll tell you that you know, I don't want to get into specifics of the yeshiva, and I'm also not going to mention the name of the yeshiva, you know, not to, to protect the innocent. But when I, um, this yeshiva that we sent my son to was actually the yeshiva that I attended. And he's not in that yeshiva now, though, right? He's not, no. <laughs> um, when I called my Rosh Yeshiva, my Rosh Yeshiva, and I said to him, would you be willing to take in my son to come study by you? These were his exact words. He said, in my yeshiva, my eneklach are always welcome. Uh-huh. Okay. So, so, so I, I think that, that your point actually may, may tie. The, it also depends on the yeshiva. It also depends on the kind of place that you're sending to. And you do have to be more careful in terms of, of um, you know, custom and tailoring. And maybe when you went to yeshiva, there weren't as many options, you know, back in the 1880s. Yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah. There well, I, tell you, I did go for a Shabbos. I did go for Shabbos to Scranton. And I was shocked by the way that they were, the friendliness that permeated there. And when I had a, in my role as an arts um, investigator, <laughs> I went to Scranton a couple of times and I mentioned to Rabbi Besser how moved I was because I, I was coming from near Yisrael where, you know, they took out their steely knives and they cut you apart and they basically, you know, uh, uh, they any, the beast? what, <laughs> well, the beast tried to, uh, the beast was able to stumble out of there, uh, and, and lick his wounds and come back, but definitely a very cynical, like I said, uh, untrusting beast. When I went to Scranton for a Shabbos, I did see what you were talking about, but I'm going to say even if they were all Scrantons or all the other yeshivas that, that you went to, yeshivas that were warm and, 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 and looked at these wards who were coming from out of town as their children, I still believe that for today, as, as strong as what the Teferis Israel said was, was, inspired me 
and, and I don't know if you saw it before I explain, showed it to you, but inspired others, whether they, whether they had those words in their minds or not. I'm going to go. I think that a two, two-pronged argument. Number one, for all the ones, let's say, if I'm a success, who somehow made it, now let's say you made it, and hopefully your son is making it, I think there are others that suffer from disconnect from their family. There's, upper, there's others that could become real mention, the ones who aren't necessarily going to be this incredible uh, godel, who, who they just have the memories of their learning with their father, the ones who need their father around with them during the adolescent period, who could give them a heart and a shoulder to cry on, an ear to listen to. Um, I think we need it today much more than we did in those days. And maybe even in those days, who knows how many people didn't become Yisrael Lipschitz. You know, Yisrael Lipschitz, the Ferris Yisrael, incredible writer. His father was a going awesome. And I think part of what he means when he's writing it is also reflecting it's so beautiful. It seems to reflect his own biographical situation. So I think there's probably the successes are out there. But I think the fact that every kid says, I'm sending, like, I'm going to call a spade a spade. When I was in Chicago, before the yeshivas rose up, the best kids would go to Philly. And I, and of course, as somebody who was an arts uh, person who actually viewed Philly, I was shocked. Not shocked, I was incredibly impressed by how the student body, the best kids go to Philly or tells in uh, Riverdale. And that's the attitude. That's where the best people go. The best go there. And it's still that way. I, I think that, that we're paying a price for that. I think we're paying a price for the ones that aren't necessarily going to make it through. And I think the ones that are going are, are missing. Um, and and I, I'll say one last thing, and I want to hear your comment on this. If we would uh, discon- like deconstruct what's going on, I think better yeshivas would show up in these other places. Because every uh, we, go, we send to Philly, we send to uh, Tells Riverdale. I think if 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 there would if the, if the pedal would be put to the metal, if the pedal would not be put to the metal, <laughs> they would stop the pedal, and they would say, "No, we're going to build what we have here." I think we would have a healthier dynamic. Look, how many stories are there uh, about parents and children that even don't get along? So you tell me, what's your response to that? Okay, so I'm going to make it a double-pronged response as well. I, I think that uh, I think where you're conceding is where is where I'd like to disagree. I, I think you're you're telling me that there are there are kids for whom it's good for them to go away, but for most children, it's not that, that they'll lose out. I, I would disagree. I would say it's the other way. There are certainly kids that that need to be at home, and and parents need to know their children. Parents need to know their children well, and the schools, um, if the parents aren't doing a good job knowing their children, the schools have to do it. And so you need, and therefore, in the second half of the argument, you need local schools. But in order to create, and I'm going to use this term, I'm not sure whether we like to use this term, in order to create the gedolim, in order to create these exceptional scholars, which is what we need, we need to have institutions 
for the exceptional. We do need to have institutions for the gifted. And, and I would argue that um, besides for those children who are going to lose because of it, kids who are, you know, the mama boys um, who need, who need um, their, their mother to, to uh, f- um, make their bed every morning, there are those kids who need that, and that's okay. But for the majority of kids, for them being in a place with stellar scholarship, with better rabbeim, with where the teachers are the greatest scholars of the generation, you know, it's someone who studies in the uh, in South Fallsburg and in Long Beach and the places where there are Rosh Hashivas who have these exceptional reputations. Um, I, I, even those who aren't the gifted who are going to come out the gifted, that what they gain in Torah in terms of becoming a Ben Torah, they might lose a bit, but I still think the majority of people are, are, are going are gonna to gain from it. And if it's at the cost, that at the local level, you don't have the same type of yeshiva, and that locally in all these little um, towns and cities, you've got um, yeshivas that are just struggling, and they feel like they're losing because all the best students are going out of town. So be it. So be it. That's what the Mishnah is saying. Have a golulamakim Torah, and I think that that, that that's what the Tiferes Israel is trying to say is that the cost of staying home and losing the scholarship that you would otherwise attain is too great a price, even if it's for the sake of comfort. And I get it. You know, back then, people were not as attached and weren't as needy as they are today. And you may argue that today, children are more needy, which is why many rules of chinuch and education have changed as a result of children being more needy, even than what they were 20 years ago. But nevertheless, the words of our sages stand. I think that... Okay, again, we, as I told you, Kalman, it's not... The, the words of sages are open to interpretation. I, I'm, I'm not saying because our sages said it, so it's etched in stone. I'm yeah. saying whatever this thing is, it still applies. <laughs> it happens to still apply. And I, I, and I see that, um, I, that... I think it's time to push it back. I think, with, I think that Pharisees Rose beautifully uh, articulated statements were the represented the zeitgeist that produced Gedolim in Europe in the 18th and 19th and 20th century. I think it's time to roll back. I think we need to roll back. I think that uh, having, and again, I'm, I'm sort of repeating myself, but I, I believe, just to respond to what you said, we need to work on strengthening our communities and having every every town, just like in Europe, you know, I think there were certain, there were the super best, maybe there was Ponevich, uh, that's an Eretz Yisrael. But I would say there was uh, the yeshivas in, in, um, in Slabotka, and you wanted to go to Tells, whatever, if you thought there was a certain type of Madrega, and maybe that, that the student will still find himself going there. But I think that we need to strengthen what we got and strengthen it in, in, in the best way possible. Again, I can tell you that the pain that I feel, even especially now in Corona, where we don't even see our kids, but the pain that I feel of her not having been part of my children's growth. And I think parents need some training to not smother, not helicopter. But why do we need to, uh, and it's not being a mama's boy, but when you go to yeshiva, you can be there and get the best from the Tamil Chachamim and go home or go home Shabbosim. Be not not be in Gaulis. 
You know what I'm saying? Well, let me respond. Uh, to you, know, you don't. Have, you, we, 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 you, we can't go through this this discussion even without quoting the world's most oft quoted of Chaim Shmulevitz. And for the sake of the uh, for the sake of the listener, I'm going to say the whole thing. Chaim Shmulevitz asked the question. We know that Rachel sends away Rabbi Akiva to go to yeshiva for for 12 years, and he gains 12,000 students. And then, after 12 years, with 12,000 students, he comes back. You know, this is the time of Sphere, so we have to talk about Rabbi Kiva as well. Um, he comes back after after 12 years, and he overhears, as he approaches his house, he overhears a conversation between his wife, Rachel, and the, and the neighbor. And the neighbor says, look at your husband, what a terrible guy. He left you a, a living widow. And, you're, 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 and she says, my Akiva, if he would know what I want, if he would hear me, he would go back and study for another 12 years. So Rabbi Kiva turned himself around and went back to Yeshiva for study for 12 more years, came back with 24,000 students. For Ekter, Chaim Shmulevitz, okay, you're home already. Uh, he, he must have been traveling for weeks. At least go in and already. say hello, right? That's his kasha. have a cup of tea. And says of Chaim Shmulevitz, because sometimes 12 plus 12 is not 24. Sometimes 12 plus 12 is just 12 and 12. And there's many interpretations, but the simple understanding of, of what Chaim Shulav is trying to say is that there is a concept of going away and the, what you can accomplish and create from being away from all um, the from, from, from all the distractions and from all the obligations and from all the responsibilities where they're just sitting there in their place and all their life is about Torah, Yom and Belayla, day and night. If that's all that they're trying to do, then the level that they can accomplish, it cannot be equaled by stopping in for five minutes at home for a cup of tea. Well, I I, I can't listen. Chaim Shalevitz was my Rebbe, so I, it's it's hard for me. But the Tver Sistro was my Rebbe too. You know, when I was a kid, when I was uh, learning in Mir, and I went to Mir when I was 17, um, I was the, there was three of us. We were the youngest Americans in Mir. Uh, we got special discounts before we were 18. We were able to get on the bus for free or something like that. But so we, uh, um, so I went when I was very young. And I remember uh, I, I was studying the Tveris Yisrael's Hakdomis to uh, Taras and Kochim. Yeah, I'm sure you're familiar with them. The Yavakish Das and the Because I wanted to learn, I wanted to learn uh, uh, Taharis and Kochim. So I figured I better do those Hakdomis. So I remember I went over to Chesidish Yungaman to ask him to help me with Nida and Zova to get it all clear, right? Because I was, because the first one gives me the Hakdomis and the Chesidish Yungaman was so shocked that here I was, you know, 17 years old. I wanted to go into the Amkos exactly. Um, he says, no, I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to talk to Bochum. But they, he would always notice that I'd be learning Pharisees for Osfarim. So he came over to me once, this fellow, this senior guy, we became friends afterwards. And he said to me, I know for sure you're either, you're probably going to marry an anacle that's Pharisees show. <laughs> because every time I see you, you're looking at him and you're trying to be Mavar. Uh, he's one of my heroes. And, and this statement, as I said, is, 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 is crucial. Um, I think, however, um, as I've gotten older, and I, I'm not trying to take away Gedeon from Klau Yisrael, but I think we need to chip away at this. We need to chip away at it. And, and maybe, I, I hear what you're saying, producing, the, the, if he went home for Shabbos, he's not going to become that big godel. I think he's going to be a person, though, that understands the asoidus of Kibbutz, the asoidus of a family. I think he's going to see a living model. I'm, again, look at the, again, we have so many younger who aren't ready for marriage. 
They aren't ready for interactions. I don't know, Kalman. I would say that I, I'm willing to take that risk. I think we've, Baruch Hashem, we have Gedalim, we have Svarim, we have Oitzar Svarim, we have so much. I, I, I'm ready to say that let's, let, let's trust our own communities to produce the Gedalim Yisrael in this Ikhbis of the Meshicha. I think the goal is, let's stop the, I think, I think, let's I think stop the goal is. I think you're answering the question, which is, the Mishnah continues, Don't say that it will come to you. So why does the Mishnah have to say, you already said, go to Makam Torah? The answer is because in, in 2,000 years, Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Kivalevich is going to come along and say, listen, things have changed. Now we can bring the Torah to us. And the Mishnah is saying, no, no. I'll okay. Again, without, again, you keep on, I don't even know, I don't know who I'm talking to. The Mishnah means, the Pashim Shah, the Mishnah is, there was no Torah there. Don't think because you're so smart, don't think because you're Kalman Warch, that, that you're going to be able to create with your Harifas and your Havana and your Oitzar HaKochma and, 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 and Barilan that you don't need to have a Malkam Torah. Yeah, I think that there's going to be, uh, I think, the Ikhbis of the Mashiach that hopefully we're heading into. And I think it's already started. I think that the yeshivas, even what happened in New York over the last 20 years, these little yeshivas, technically, they're not really Goyla, right? Patterson, uh, where you have Rostrotskin, uh here in Elizabeth, Springfield. You, know, you have all these places that are an hour away, 40 minutes away. The parents understand what you're talking about, but they still like the idea that there's still that, that family yachas. And I think that is something, I, I think that's a kita tzlocha. I think we need it. I think we need to have mention. And I think that that's going to, I think we got to go back. The Ferris and Stroh was beautiful at its time. Whoever it produced, I think we got to push back on that. I'm happy that you're still defending him. In a way, what I'm going to say to you, Kalman, is when you're as gray as me, I think you're probably going to come around more on my side. Because now you're so proud of Avi, you're proud of your kids. I think you're going to look back as you get older and you're going to say, boy, I wish they had spent more time with me. Maybe I could have helped them. And at least I would have had those moments of real life together. Look, I'll just end with one thing. The Rav, who, Salvechik, I think undeniably, and you're a Talmud of one of his Talmudim, right? Right. Uh, Shurkin. is one of your main rabbeim. Salvechik became Salvechik. He didn't go to Yeshiva. He became Salvechik because he studied with at home with Ramesha. He studied, he was home in, 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 in Haslovich. Now, true, he became the Ili of, of philosophy because he went to Berlin. But the Lamdan Talmud Chochum, that was all from what he was as a, around there. He didn't you go to. You can't bring any proofs from Salavagics. You can't bring any proofs from Salavagics. <laughs> but I, again, I all, think all I. All the Salavagics are students of their, of their pa- parents, and they have some kind of special treasure. There's no proof. I disagree. I think that part of what makes, again, if that Salavagic is the exception, but I think it could help us create a new rule. And that is, again, I, and I'm going I'm, I'm to speak about him on Thursday. Check the podcast on the Novominskill. Novominska was basically, when he speaks true, he was, he was in New York, he went to Chaim Berlin, but he, the two Ashba was his father, seeing his father, and also going to Chaim Berlin and coming home. And Oiskevaks to be not only a tremendous Chorif and a tremendous Lamden, but he was a Manig Yisrael. And I'm going to say the reason why he was a Manig was because he stayed because he had that lave and hearts. And that's something I think that he developed because of his kurvshaf to his family. And I think that it's clear. 
But an economic, look, I know I'm cheating here because what are you going to talk about the Novominsker who just died? But I, I think the Novominsker is an example of something like that. Okay, look, we went around in circles here a little bit, but I hope we gave you some food for thought. Um, we don't want to it's run over time. Uh, Rabbi Kivilevitz, the uh, and, dime, uh, who <laughs> learned everything far away from home. Yes, and my Chavrusa, the head of the Illinois Center for Torah Studies, Kalman <laughs> Warch, Talmud of Ramshurkin, and other G'dayli Israel. And we'll see you Hashem, next week. So take care. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. Thank you.